Thank you for listening to the Calvary Chapel Lubbock podcast. Our mission of teaching people to love God by showing them how much He loves us starts right now. Church, the other day I was driving to the church, and, and I was driving, I actually have in my Sirius XM, I found the Billy Graham channel. And Billy Graham is just over and over and over. And I was listening to Billy Graham. And as I'm driving to church and I'm listening to Billy Graham, he was talking about the world and what has become of marriage in our culture. I found that very interesting. So I'm kind of tuning in, right? And I'm driving and I'm thinking I'm tuning in. And, and he went on to say in the message, and I'm not sure what year it was. Of course, Billy has done gone to be with the Lord. He's in glory now. But here's what he was saying. He was saying, he went on to say that people were abandoning, guys, the word of God. And then they were doing what they thought was right. And that he goes on to say that they felt, they, they no longer felt it necessary to be married in the eyes of the Lord, but living together was the way to go, to accept the culture they were in. And so you see, they were saying, as Billy Graham portrayed it, as I'm driving to work, that they say marriage was simply a piece of paper that really didn't mean anything. And Reverend Graham went on to say, as he was, as he was preaching to probably thousands of people that was more than a piece of paper, that marriage needed to have the blessing of God. Well, you see, last week, we covered all of chapter 2. And as we came to the end of chapter 2, we sort of summarized verse 23 to 25, sort of talked just a little bit about marriage. But right after church, guys, I got to talk to some of you who had questions about these verses. For example, one person came up to me and said, well, if a man shall leave his father and mother, like we learned, how did this apply to Adam and Eve, who had no earthly father? I said, good question, good question. And so tonight, I thought, well, let's go back and let's talk about marriage. Let's talk about marriage. Here's why. See, God instituted marriage in the last part of Genesis chapter 2. And although, church, listen, although he only gave us three verses in Genesis, I found that there are over 38 verses in the Bible that actually talks about marriage. So here's my thought, okay? Here's my thought. If you're here today and you're married, this message is for you. It wants to help you learn how to... how. How does God feel about the subject and how can we obey his word and enjoy our spouses? You go, okay, I got it. And if you're single, right? And I know we have a lot of single folks here. I get that. I understand that. I believe, guys, that it's profoundly important to know what a godly marriage should look like. Okay? If you're a gal here and you go, man, I'm waiting for the one. Where's the one? Well, I'm just going to let God bring him to me. Where is that him? Is that him? Hey, is it, what, did, he go out the, did he go out the door? Is that him? Right? And so I, I get that, guys. But, but here's what I want to do. Here's what I want to do. I want to try as best I can. Now, talking about marriage is so, I mean, it's so exhausting. I mean, we, we, we could spend weeks on it. But I just want to, I want to give you a good foundation where you go, yeah, yeah, that should be a, this is what I, okay, that's what I look for. And this is how, this is how someone should treat me and, and, and again, if you're here and you're engaged, well, you're in luck, right? Because now you get to understand what God says about marriage. And, and so if you're married, amen. If you're single, amen. If you're looking, amen. If you're not looking, amen. <laughs> but this is God's word. And it really struck me, guys. And I thought, I don't want to just... I want to just pass through it. I don't want to just go, yeah, and, and God created, you know, marriage and amen. And so I want to see what he says, and I want it to impact our hearts. So tonight, guys, we're going to go through Genesis, and we're going to see this. If you're taking note, we're going to see how God instituted marriage. And then we'll head over to 1 Corinthians chapter 7, and we'll look about some principles of marriage, okay? And then we'll finish off the night with a trip to Ephesians to see what a godly household should look like, okay? Once again, we're going to see God instituting marriage. We're going to see uh, what Paul says about some principles about marriage. And then we're going to finish out the night with a trip to Ephesians. Um, but since our main text is in Genesis, let's take a moment to remind you what we talked about last week, okay? Chapter 1 of Genesis, guys, if you're taking note, remember, gives us the wide-angle view of creation. 
Okay, the wide angle view. He's going to give it that, right? Now, chapter two, we're going to zoom in and get a little bit of more detail of creation. Chapter two, verse four through 25, he portrays God as a beautiful creator, creating, I mean, just amazing. And they also show him as a gardener. And then, of course, we'll see him as a matchmaker. If you weren't here last week and you want to jot this down, you can jot these down. Verses four to seven, we learn the details on how God created man. That's where we get Adam. Okay, in verses 8 to 17, we learn how God created this amazing garden. It's called the Garden of Eden. If you're taking note, Eden means delight. So he created this amazing, uh, in some cases, they even called it paradise. And Adam and Eve were in paradise, right? The Garden of Eden, delight. And then in verses 18 to 25, God fashioned the woman out of a man, right? Took, him, took a woman and made her out of a rib, and we looked at that, and of course, then he instituted marriage. That really is what was going on. So let me hit the highlight reel for you just real quick. We learned right away in verse 4 that God is a what? Is a personal God, right? He's described as, look at verse 4 with me real quick, it's, it's the Lord God, Yahweh Elohim, Yahweh Elohim. And this is amazing because we knew him as Elohim, we knew him as mighty God, we knew him as creator God, but now I can know him as Yahweh. What does that mean? Oh, here's what I love. I love that I can know my God up close and personal. Up close and personal. That he talks to me and I talk to him. And that he hears me and he listens. He doesn't shun me off. He's not too busy. That he doesn't hear what I say. And so I love that he is the Lord God up close and personal. And what I love about this Verse is that the name change denotes a personal God who loves and cares about me. And what I love about this is not only does he care about me, but he cares about you individually. And Adam over there is praying to God, and, and God hears us. And Joe is praying, and, and it's just amazing, right? Up close and personal. And so I thought, okay, Ben, okay, so here's the question. How can I know God personally? If God is up close and personal, how can I know him? And I just found a few things, and I think the first thing, you can jot these down, but, but here's the first thing. Here's, here's how I want to know God personally, okay? I need to understand that God, well, well, we need to understand, let me put it to you this way. We need to understand that God loves you and has a wonder plan, wonderful plan for your life. We see that in Scripture. You go, what do you mean? Well, in order to know God personally, you need to understand and accept that He loves you and that He has a plan for your life. You go, how so? Well, we know that according, uh, we know according to John 3.16, that's God's love for you. For God so loved you, y'all, me, that He gave His only begotten Son. And we know that God has a plan because Christ speaking, he says, I came that they may have life and life more. Awesome. Good job. More abundantly. Life to the fullest. And so you got to take a step back and you got to look at your life and say, man, am I living life to, to the fullest? Because that's, that's the plan that God has for you. That you would live life to the, to the ultimate, to the fullest. You go, okay, amen. Amen. So I understand, okay, I want to know him personally. I understand that God loves you and has a wonderful plan for your life. Number two, understand that we are sinners and that sin has separated us from God. We need to understand that. We need to understand that we are sinners and sin separates us from God. Number three, how can I know God personally? We need to understand that Jesus is God's only provision for that sin. Nowadays, guys, in social media and internet and all kinds of good stuff, you'll see many people tell you there's a lot of ways to get to heaven. All kinds of roads leads to God, and that's not true. It's Jesus. Understanding that lets you walk up close and personal, that we understand that I'm a sinner, and this sin has now separated me from a loving God. There's only one way. And Jesus said, I am the what? I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father except through me, except through me. So the question is, church, why, uh, why in our lives and in the lives of our friends and the lives of our family do we seem to find, be trying to find different roads to get to God? Well, listen, if I'm really, really good, God will love me and I'll, I'll go to heaven. Or if I, if I just obey all the commandments and do my very best and give money, and <clears throat> there's only one way. And I think we can get up close and personal when we understand that we're sinners. We understand who we are. 
And we understand that Jesus is the only provision. Through him, through him, we can know and experience God's love for us. Through him, we can know and experience. I found this next one. Understand, number four, understand that each one of us must receive and believe Jesus Christ as Savior and Lord. And then we can know and experience God's love. We can experience God's love. That's how we can know God personally. Well, we don't have much time, but then we realized, and we talked about the highlight reels going through. We learned about the creation of man. It says in Genesis chapter 2, verse 7, the Lord God formed man from the dust of the ground, breathed into his nostrils, and, and, and the breath of life, and man became a living being. And this is an amazing verse. Here's what I want you to note. Number one, it's the dust of the ground. He breathed into man, and, and man became a, what, a living being. Now, let's unpack this verse real quick. The first thing that we see is that God created man out of the dust of the ground. From a scientific point, we learn, guys, that man's body is formed from the very same elements we find from the dust of the ground. I want you to picture this. It's almost like God just kind of got a scoop of the dirt of the topsoil, and he made man, right? You go, well, what kind of stuff is in man that we find in the ground? Well, you've got oxygen, you've got carbon, you've got hydrogen, nitrogen, you've got all of these. And he creates man. There's man. Everybody take a big deep breath in. That's the living being. You are alive. If you didn't breathe, then we need to call 911. But the point is, that's God. And then, guys, we learned that God created a garden. What a master gardener, right? But within the garden, he made, you guys remember, two trees. Two trees. One is the tree of life. One of the tree of life. Today I heard Reverend Billy Graham on the way to work again say, the tree of life, can you imagine if those who are evil and ugly ate of the tree of life, they would live forever in their ugly and sinful state. And so when Adam and Eve fell, guess what? He says, you're not going to allow to eat from the tree of life anymore. He made another tree. Do you guys remember what tree that was? It's the tree of knowledge of good and evil. And that's when he told Adam, don't eat, right, of the knowledge of tree of good. Listen, out of every tree... Go for it, man. This is paradise. Perfect weather, right? Not too hot. You got this kind of canopy covering you. You're not going to get sunburned. This is amazing. Adam, just enjoy. Enjoy your wife. Enjoy your life. This is going to be good. Don't eat of that tree. Don't eat of that tree. God commanded Adam not to eat of the second tree. For in the day he eats it, guess what happens? The Bible says that he will surely, surely die. Do you guys remember do you guys remember in the Hebrew, it was like to die as a penalty? And I was like, a penalty for what? Help me out. For sin, right? For sin. And it makes sense why Jesus would have to die on our behalf. Why? Well, he's paying the penalty for our sin, uh, for sin, but not his sins, but our sins. Our sins. Can, can I take a moment to offer you some comfort right here? You go, what's that? When you put your faith and trust in Jesus, please know that the penalty for your sins is paid for. When you put your faith and trust, and you can find rest in your weary journey. Sister called me yesterday, heartbroken, but her joy was full because she, she knew that she could find rest in her weary journey. And this is not all there is. And I find that. Of course, we learn, guys, that God made, God made and fashioned woman out of a rib for man. And I love that our God is a great surgeon. How did he do it? He put Adam to sleep. And the next thing you know, guess what? Here comes Eve. Here comes Eve, right? Now, if you were to look up man in the Hebrew, the Hebrew word is ish, ish. Woman in Hebrew is isha, isha, right? Note that woman came from man, okay, from the rib, ish, isha, woman, okay? But what I find interesting is that man, right, that woman came from man, but from here on out, man will always come from woman. You got, you got that? You got that, that reference? Yeah, Exactly. And I love what Matthew Henry says. He's the great commentator. I read this last week, but I thought it was appropriate to read it again. That God created woman. Woman was created from the rib of man. He was not made, or she was not made from what? The, from, his, from his head to top him. 
nor from his feet to be trampled on. She was made from his side to be equal with women. Can I get an amen? From under his arm to be protected by him and from near his heart to be loved by him. I thought that was amazing. Well, if you're taking note, guys, I'm calling this message the heavenly matchmaker. For we learn that right after he fashions woman, he institutes marriage. And that's where we're going to pick up our story in verse 22. You guys ready? It says, Then the rib which the Lord God had taken from men, he made into woman, and he brought her to the man. Here's what I love about this. This is how man was made. Here's the dirt. Boom. But then he takes a woman and he says, here, I'm going to fashion her out of man. And so, you know what? He, there it was. He's asleep. He wakes up. Now, here's what I want you to underline. Underline the phrase, he brought her to the man. Why? Because right here, God is instituting marriage. Instituting marriage. As a matter of fact, Hebrews chapter 13, 4 says, give honor to marriage. And remain faithful to the one in marriage. God will surely judge people who are immoral and those who commit adultery. And I was thinking, think about this. There he is, Adam. Yes, Lord. Adam, I want you to name all kinds of... Okay, so he starts to name, that's a duck and that's a penguin. And I don't know what this is, but we'll, we'll, we'll just call it, you know. And he starts naming all these things. And then he looks and he says, man, there's nothing suitable to me. I don't, I don't see anything. And although man, you know, dog's man's best friend, that's cool. I'm missing something. Okay, Adam, well, let's go to sleep. Go to sleep? Yeah, almost to where, boom, he doesn't understand. God does something amazing. The next thing he sees, there's a woman, right? A woman. I thought, wow. Wow. And then he institutes, he institutes marriage. And what happens is Adam sees Eve coming for the first time, guys. And his words are, check it out. Adam said, now this is bone of my bone and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman because she was taken out of man. Do you guys get that? Okay. Now, here's what I want you to do. Let's do some work. You guys ready? If you have a pencil handy, you can write next to this verse, she is called woman because she was taken from men, but it can also be translated, the word woman can be also translated wife, translated wife. And yet, the root meaning is that she is, she is soft, or is, it means to be soft, or she was soft. Okay? Now, I think all of these apply. You go, what do you mean? He says, Adam looks at her, and he says, va, 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 voom. Yes. That's my girl. He says, now this is bone of my bone and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called, now there it is, woman. She shall be called my wife. Okay? She shall be called mother. She's going to be called soft, and here's why. Because women are soft-hearted, and they're soft to touch. God knew what he was doing when he made woman, right? Yeah, I know, Pastor Ben. I want a wife that's just like me. No, you don't. No, you don't. Yeah, we're we're going to have all the same hobbies. No, no, no. You want a wife who completes you. And a wife... Who cries and is sensitive. Why are you crying? Because that's how God made me. But she's got a soft heart. She's got a soft heart. Gals, that's how God made you. That's how God made you. He made you soft. He made you soft to touch. Trust me. That's a good thing. And so Adam goes, man, she's soft. <laughs> she is soft. She's not like me. Man. It's not like that, that, you know, it's not like that rhinoceros. <laughs> she's not like the elephant. The elephant's got thick skin. She's soft. She's soft, right? And that's exactly what it is. And I think all of those apply. And so, and so Adam truly knew, man, listen, this is bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh, but she's different than me. She's a woman. She's soft. And she can bring home the bacon and fry it up in a pan and... Bad reference. Nobody got that. Okay, I get it. And so now we come to Genesis chapter 2, verse 24. Notice, guys, so important. It says, therefore, 
Okay, therefore, whenever we see a therefore, we need, to see, we need to see what it's there for, right? We go back up. And he said, okay, so he's like, okay, this is bone of my bone and flesh of my flesh. Now, he says, therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife, and they shall become one flesh. Now, I want you to note the therefore, because some of your translation says, for this cause. For this cause. Right here, God is instituting marriage. Okay? But with one verse, he institutes marriage, and it's power-packed. Full of stuff. So let's break it down, okay? It says, therefore, a man. Everybody say amen. What's he talking about? Okay, well, if you have a pencil handy and you're taking notes and you want to drop this down, this is speaking of maturity. Men, men, men. This is maturity. This is maturity. Not only mature uh, in growing, but mature spiritually. That's what it means. It means that this is exactly a man. When he becomes a man, he's ready. Now, listen to me, guys. He's ready with responsibility to handle the house. He's ready with wisdom. He has vision for the family. Maturity means he's ready to take the next step from being a child to becoming a man. Remember, there was no adolescence in the Bible. He went from a child. Next thing you know, he was a man. Maturity. Maturity. Okay? Maturity here means adulthood, coming of age. We have to be so careful. If you're here single and you're going, where's my man? Where's my man? You better make sure that he is mature, that can handle the household, and mature spiritually. That's what you need to look for. A man, this is what he sets it up. We go, well, what are they supposed to do? Well, look at the next one. Therefore, a man shall leave. Everybody say, shall leave. This speaks of transition. The process or period of changing from one state or condition to another. Here's what it means. Leaving the parents in a sense that you are mature enough to develop your own family identity. That's what you need to do. It does not go against God's word who tells us to honor our father and mother. We still honor them, but you're maturing. You're going to leave. You're going to leave. Parents, it's okay. They're supposed to leave. No, but I just want my baby here. They're supposed to leave and establish their own identity. That's what God, he said, listen, a man's going to leave. A man's going to leave. He's mature enough to begin to develop. Y'all hearing me? He's, he's mature enough to develop his own identity. Think about it. Who is he leaving? Well, what does he say? His father and mother. You guys see that? Right? Come on with me. Say it. His father and mother. There you go. We're all out of place. That's okay. That's okay. You go, what's the point? Okay, so we know that a man, maturity, shall leave his father and mother, and this should be the model of a family, leaving a father and mother to pursue a wife. Now, we must understand two things. You guys ready? Number one, Adam and Eve did not have earthly parents, so this was obviously written for our instruction. Okay, that's the first thing we need to understand because we'd go, what was the question? Well, if Adam and Eve didn't have parents, why would they write that? Well, he was written, he instituted marriage because he knew us from this point on. We would leave. And of course, we're hoping it's the model family. But can we be honest? In our culture, that's not always the case. The model family, mom and dad, you know, showing you what a godly marriage should look like. There's, it doesn't happen at times. Right? You go, okay, well, what happens if I'm, Pastor, if I'm growing up from a divorced family or I'm growing up from a dysfunctional family? All the more, you need to be mature in the task. All the more, you need to be mature in the task. Sometimes it's not justified, and I wish it was. I wish that they were, and, and, and listen, those of us that are married, we need to provide good, godly marriages for those that are coming up. We can see that. Well, what are they supposed to do? Well, they're going to leave their father and mother. And there'll be number four, they'll become joined. Joined. Everybody say joined. This is the cleaving part. Here's where they now become a new family moving toward their own identity. A new unit and a much larger family. Guys, that's important. That's important. Why? Because they're supposed to say, Okay, mom and dad, I'm leaving, and I'm going to cleave to my 
wife. Can I tell you, one of the hardest things I ever did, my mother-in-law's here, and I, I think she, she would have beat me up at the time, but when I moved my family halfway across the country to Missouri. But that was the best thing for my family because all Nathalie and I had was each other and God. And God, and we grew so much in depending each other, and we were cleaving. We're still part of a bigger family, but God did something so amazing in that. So amazing in that, because I became joined. And a lot of times, we don't want to become joined. We still want the, in, well, listen, we still want the influence of our relatives and our family, but we have to grow to that place where we're strong and stable and joined. Joined. Who's he going to be joined to? Well, the Bible says his wife, right? Adam, you know what? You're going to, a man's going to leave his father and mother. He's going to be joined to his wife. This speaks of faithfulness, compliment, and understanding. Do you guys see this? I'm going to talk to the men for just a moment, okay? Men, listen, if you're taking notes, jot this down. 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 7 says this, Husbands, likewise, dwell with your wives with understanding understanding, giving honor to the wife as the weaker vessel and as being heirs together in the grace of life that your prayers may not be hindered. You guys see that? Man, here's what we're supposed to do. We're supposed to live with our wives with all understanding. Gals, listen to me, single gals, single folks. If, if your husband is not or your boyfriend is not dwelling with you, with understanding and giving honor, he needs to go. Because that's what he says. And you will, Pastor, I don't know if I'm doing this. Well, here's what happens, guys. When we're not living with understanding, you go, what, what, do you, what do you mean with understanding? Understand your wife is different from you. Understand that she sees things different. She has different emotions. God created her so different. And so you come in and you've had a hard day and you get... Rah, 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 and she starts to cry. You go, why are you crying? That's not living with understanding. You have to live with understanding. And there's so much more giving her honor as the weaker vessel. And women are going, I'm not weak. That's how God created us. God created us men to, to shoulder the burden. Because the second thing we need to do, guys, when we understand is we need to what? We need to protect our wives. We need to protect them. What do you mean? Men, don't go home and unleash everything on your wife. And let me tell you about this. Let me tell you about that. This happened, this. Protect them. Protect them and love them and live with understanding. Okay, we're going to get a little bit of, we're going to get a little PG here, 13, just a little bit, okay? Just a little bit, okay? Men, every month at the same time, women have a little visitor, Okay? I'm going to say this, living with them with all understanding means you know a little bit about that and you're more sensitive. Yeah, way to go. Because, because what I've been told and I've been learned, and I, I've, I've been learned, <laughs> I've been learned that a, that a peanut butter sandwich during that time prior to, that could be a big deal. Can I get a witness, ladies? Okay, so the point is, let's live, let's live with them with understanding, understanding that they're different, guys, that they're different. You go, what else? Well, the Bible says, notice what he says, let's go back. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother be, what? And be joined to his wife, and they shall become. They shall become. Become, guys, you can circle that. It's the process of learning, hello, friendship and trust. Would you just turn to your neighbor and say, learning? Because that's what marriage is. It's about learning, guys. It's about learning. Oh, it's wonderful. We come up and we stand right here. We go, oh, it's the best day of my life. Pastor pronounced his husband. Da, 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 da. And we go out the door, but we forget that it's a, that you're learning. That you're learning. And what are we learning? We're learning the process of friendship. Friendship is important. Friendship is important. 
everything put aside, listen to me, if you can't be friends at the end of the day, something's not right. All, everything else aside, everything else aside, is that the person that you want to hang out with as a friend at the end of the day? See, you're learning what? Friendship and trust and trust. Trust, guys, trust is something that just takes a while to build. And we dummies, I'm sorry, we guys, we tend to break trust, we tend to do dumb stuff. It just takes time to build, but there should come a point when your wife can hold your arm and say that I trust you. I trust you. I had to learn that the hard way, okay? I was going to move to Missouri for business, Okay? Didn't consult my wife. Didn't pray about it. Baby, we're going. We're going to go to Missouri. And she was scared to death. She didn't trust me. And I learned that lesson that I'd rather her. And any other move from then on, I prayed. And I said, God, you're going to have to show me. You're going to. So when we moved to Lubbock, Texas to start the church, she trusted me because she knew I had been praying and I had been seeking God and that I wasn't going to do anything. Ladies, singles, If your man ain't praying before, that's all I'm going to say. They shall become. It's a process of learning of friendship and trust. One flesh. One flesh. Okay? Okay. So, again, this speaks of, you guys ready? Deep intimacy between two people. If you look up at the word, it could also mean nakedness. Nakedness. This is talking about an intimacy between a man and a woman, okay? Now, God is so amazing that when two people get married and they become intimate, they actually become one flesh. The Hebrew word is the mingling of souls. That's why the Lord is like, do not go out and, 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 and have sex with all these these different people because it's the mingling of souls and that's not how I intended marriage to be. And you go, okay, so what happens? Well, you get married and the two become one and it's amazing, right? It's amazing. But but listen, God is so cool that you can also create one flesh from the two. What's it called? A baby. A baby. Do you realize, guys, that your children are one flesh from two people? That's what it is. You got two people, you have a baby. Oh, look at him. Look at him. So cute. So cute. So it speaks of intimacy. And so what God does is he says, okay, now listen, here's the marriage. Ready? Here it is. And, uh, and, and he said, therefore, a man is going to leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife, and they're going to be, they're going to be one flesh. Now, here's what we know. We know in chapter 1, he already said, be fruitful and multiply. He said, have babies. Now, I get it. In our culture, people go like, no, I don't want to do that. And that's fine. That's, That's between you and the Lord. But he told Adam, be fruitful and multiply. And he said, and the two are going to have what? And they'll become one flesh and one flesh. And then, notice, he confirms his word in verse 25. He says, and they were both naked, the man and his wife, and were not ashamed. We're not ashamed. Guys, this is the beauty of intimacy found in this verse. They were naked and they were not ashamed. But let me tell you this. Sin often robs us of this intimacy. Because next week, we're going to find Adam and Eve trying to cover up. Right now, they're just, they're just loving God. And I bet that, I, I, I can't say, but I bet the glory of the Lord walking with them is just, is just covering. And they're just, I mean, it, they don't even need a cover. They're just... This is good. This is good. This is good. And then sin comes in and they go, oh, we're naked. And the Lord says, who told you you were naked? Who told you you were naked? Destroys intimacy. Destroys intimacy. Married couple, single guy, single gal, single guys. Think about this for a second. And even, and, and just think about this, guys. Intimacy, intimacy God created and he wants us to enjoy that. Let me just say this to you. Sin robs you of that intimacy. I could say more, but we just don't have the time. 
God institutes marriages in three verses. Now, let's say goodbye to Genesis, okay? We, 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 we unpacked it, and let's turn over to 1 Corinthians, okay? 1 Corinthians chapter 7. We have learned that God gave us the institution of his marriage with blessing upon us. Now, let's just look at some principles. Now, again, it's not exhaustive, guys. I can't go in deep, deep detail, but I want to give you the basics, okay? 1 Corinthians chapter 7, you should already be there. Picking it up in verse 1, Paul writes, Now, concerning the things which you wrote me. So the Corinthian church is a mess, and they're writing to Paul, and they're writing him some questions, right? Some questions about marriage. Now, I mean, this whole, this whole chapter is, is, I mean, it talks, about, it talks about marriage, and it talks about singleness, and it talks about divorce, but we're only going to cover verses 1 through 7. Paul says, now, concerning the things which you wrote to me, notice what he says, it is, what? Good for a man not to touch a woman. You go, wow. You mean like I can't go over and go, ooh, touched you. That's not what he's talking about, okay? This is a euphemism that he used basically back in the day, and he's speaking of sexual intimacy. What is he saying? He says, it is not good for a man to have sexual intimacy with a woman, specifically in the Corinthian culture. He says, please do not have sex outside of marriage. In our culture, we're trying to define that that's okay, everybody should do it. You got to test drive before you buy the car. No, no, no. God says, no. No. Because you're going to fall in love with a person's heart before you fall in love with their body. And you want to know what their heart is. Nathalie said the other day, when it comes to dating, I don't know why, when you go on one date, that the clothes have to fall off. And that's our culture. And, and, and God says, no, no, Paul says, no, no, listen, concerning the things which you wrote to me, here's my, it's not good. It's not good. Verse 2, nevertheless, because of sexual immorality, let each man have his own wife and let each woman have her own husband and let the husband render to his wife the affection due her and likewise the wife to her husband. Guys, highlight verse 2. You can write next to it. This speaks of purity. Purity. He says, because of sexual immorality. It's almost like, like Paul is painting a picture of our day. He says, because of this, he says, now, let me just say this to you. He says, let each man have his own wife. What's he talking about? Principle number two, I see in scripture that we should have one wife or one husband. He's saying she should have her own husband. Listen to me closely, not somebody else's husband, not somebody else's wife. We talked about this in discipleship the other night as I was substituting. There's no such thing after so many years, 20, 30, 2, 5, 10, that there's cruise control. There's no such thing as cruise control. Guys, you have to work at your marriage every single day. You have to pour into it. You have to protect it. What was it that Pastor Rawl said, his guy said, that, guys, when it comes to, to, to men and, and, and trying to, he says, I don't care how ugly you are. Satan's going to bring that girl to say, oh, you're just amazing. You're wonderful. You're the cutest little thing in the world. Do you think so? My wife doesn't ever tell me that. Really? You want to get a cup of coffee? I know I'm really not supposed to. And what happens, guys? What happens, right? Here, here's the biblical principle, guys. Will you please protect your marriage? Single folks, single folks, what he does on your date is really what he's going to be like in the future. And that's normally his best behavior. That's normally his best, right? He's like, man, I'm going to be on my best behavior. I'm going on a date for the first time. There should be some red flags in your life, guys. You should be some red flags if... If the order, if his order comes wrong on a date and he didn't order this and he flips out, get up and walk out. That is a pattern. That is a pattern that he's going to have the rest of his life. There's something wrong. 
oh, but pastor, but I love him. Just a mistake. No, guys, he needs to work through that or else what will happen is you'll be dealing with that over and over and over. Just my opinion, just my opinion. Principle number three, what, is, what does Paul say? He says, render, no, we must render each other the affection due him or her. What's he saying? You ready? We must never use sex as a tool or to motivate or get what we want. You guys see that? Guys, look at the word render. I found it interesting because in in the Greek, it's it's a Greek verb and it's in it's in it's in its present imperative, and here's what it means a commitment to a long term way of doing something. Okay? This means, you ready? We must make a commitment to render affection to each other. It's a habit. It's something we do all the time. I think this is a godly principle that many seem to miss. As we grow in our relationship with other, more often than not, we forget the needs of our partner. We're often tired, have a busy day, or we're non-attractive. We forget that it takes work. And we all need affection, guys. Let us be careful that we're not seeking somewhere else, seeking it somewhere else, because life has run this ragged. You go, well, what kind of affection, Pastor? Are you saying, like, you know, my husband comes home and I'm, you know. No, no, let me just say this, guys. There's all forms of, of, of all kinds of affection. You go, what's that? A hug. A hug is a form of affection. A kiss. A kiss. I know, I know. You go home, you've been married a long time, and your husband gives you a big old smooch. The kids go, ooh, that's gross. You show them. You show them. Hey, that's my woman. That's my woman right there. My woman. The other day, we took my mother-in-law to. Uh, we took my mother-in-law to the doctor, and, and and Natalie came out. I was like, "Wow, you look amazing." I'm over here taking pictures on my phone and everything, and I'm like, "We've been married over 30 years." I'm just like, "Woo, okay." Gonna need some. We're gonna need some alone time pretty soon. Anyway, so here we go. Here we go. Here we go. What else? How about this, guys? How about an encouraging word? That's affectionate. How about a smile? Men, listen to me. You want to be affectionate with your wife? Wash the dishes. Fold the clothes. That does amazing. That does amazing things. Okay? Now, there are some of you that won't let your husband do that, but nonetheless, I mean, try. Hey, can I wash the dishes for you, baby? Can I sweep? Here's the one thing I've learned. I'm still learning, okay? I'm still like brand new. I, I mean, I'm still junior varsity, probably never going to see it. But I go and I'll say, honey, what, what can I do to help? And she'll tell me. Could you go do this, this, and this? Okay. That's affection. Why? Because I'm showing her that she's more important. Well, that's all you got to do, man. Ask her, what can I do to help? She's overwhelmed. She's doing this. She's doing this. She's doing all this. What can I do to help? Now, there are sometimes sometimes when I go home and I just sit on the recliner and I let her do everything. That's not cool. But I'm learning. I'm learning. Can everybody say I'm learning? Okay. Okay. Well, guess what? Look at verse 4. The wife does not have authority over her own body, but the husband does. And likewise, the husband does not have authority over his own body, but the wife does. And I think that's just amazing because... Because I like to use this with Natalie. It doesn't work very well. I tell her, that's my body. And she says, shut up, I'm going to sleep. I mean, that's... But really what it is, is guys, is that we need to take care of our bodies. And we need to, we need to just, we need to respect our wife. Paul goes on to say, and I'm, I know I'm running out of time, so I'm going to move fast. He says, do not deprive one another except for a consent. Do not deprive one another except for a consent for a time that you may give yourselves to fasting and prayer. And come together... Again, so Satan doesn't tempt you because of your what? Lack of control. What does he say? Don't deprive each other of intimacy. Here's what happens. If it goes too long without coming together, you guys know what I'm talking about? Satan comes in to tempt you to find satisfaction somewhere else. Where does it usually start, men? Pornography. But here's a sad fact. Women are looking at pornography more these days than, than, than ever before. See, 
I think God knew what he was talking about when he said when it comes to intimacy. He says, don't deprive each other. Guys, you, you can set a time where you're going to pray and fast and say, okay, we're going to hear the voice of the Lord, but then it's time to come together so that you're not, sent, you're not tempted by Satan. You go, what's the point? You ready? Jot this down. Communication is the key. Communication. Talk about it. We grew up in a world where sex was taboo. You don't talk about this. You don't say nothing. Mm-mm. But word of God says communicate. Communicate. Talk about that. Verse 6 says, For I say as a concession, not as a commandment, for I wish that all men were even as myself, Paul was single, but let each one of his has his own gift to God in this manner and another in that. Paul clarifies in verse 6 with another statement in his verse, second letter to the Corinthians. Listen to what he says. Second Corinthians 8.8 8 says, I'm not commanding you to do this, but I'm testing how genuine your love is by comparing it with the eagerness of the other churches. So you go, what's the principle? principle? Principle number five, guys, is love is a choice. Seeking to esteem others, your husband or your wife, higher than yourself. Just some, just some principles. Just some principles. Let's, um, let's continue on. Let's say goodbye, guys. Say goodbye to Corinthians. Just move over to Ephesians 5, okay? This is what a marriage should look like. This is what marriage should look like. We're saying goodbye to Corinthians. Bye, Corinthians. We're going to pick up uh, the Ephesians in chapter 5, verse 21. This is what marriage should look like. And again, I submit to you that this is not, you know, um, all in depth, but just kind of scratching the surface. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 21 says this. Here's why I'm picking it up in verse 21. You go, Ben, I thought the I thought the marriage chapter starts in verse 22. No, 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 no. Listen, verse 21. Submitting to one another in the fear of the Lord. Okay? That's key. Why? Because there'll be some men that go, yeah, woman need to submit to me. No, no, no. The verse earlier says that we need to submit to each other. You go, well, Pastor, what does it mean? It means both partners should submit to one another in the fear of God. And you go, what is submit? Jot this down. It's a voluntary attitude of giving in, cooperating, assuming responsibility, and carrying the burden. That's what it means. It's not that you go, you need to do what I say. You need to obey me. You need to, come on, man, you're my wife. No, 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 <laughs> hold on. He's submitting to one another in the fear of the Lord. A voluntary attitude, guys, in our hearts. What should our marriages look like? Both husband and wife in a voluntary attitude of communicating, cooperation, sharing responsibilities. Can I get an amen? Caring and carrying each other's burdens. If you're single, this is the guy you need. You need a guy that's going to do these things. In the fear of the Lord. You go, what does fear mean? In awe, respect of the Lord Jesus. It was Job that tells us that wisdom is the fear of the Lord and understanding is to turn away evil. Evil. Okay, let's talk, let's talk wives. You guys ready? Let's chat about wives. Verse 22. Wives, submit to your own husbands. Here he goes. As unto the Lord. What does submitting mean, guys? Same word, voluntary attitude of communicating, cooperation, sharing responsibilities, caring, and caring each other's burden. How should we submit? Because here's the problem. You'll have wives go, you don't know my husband. My husband is this. My husband is that. My husband doesn't pray. My husband doesn't go to church. I'm the spiritual leader. And that's why Paul says, as unto the Lord. Submit to him as, okay, Lord, this, I'm going to submit to my husband as I would submit to you. Because I believe and trust that you have my best interest at heart. And everybody say, why? Here's why. The Word of God tells us. Some of us didn't say it. Let's say why. For, verse 23, for the husband is the head of the wife. As also Christ is the head of the church. He is the Savior of the body. Therefore, just as the church is subject to Christ, let the wives also be to their own husbands in everything. Now, I can hear what you're thinking, women. That's not fair. You're thinking that. I can hear it. Your, your eyebrows are going up, and you're going, that's not fair. But, but let me just say this. We're going to talk to the husbands in just a moment, but here's the thing, okay? Wives are supposed to submit to the leadership of the husband in the home as unto the Lord. In verse 33, we see that they're also supposed to respect their husband. So you come submitting, okay, God, I'm going to submit to you, and I'm going to believe that you're going to do something with this guy. What is he, Olivia? 
Well, he's just dust right now, right? But God, you're going to make him into something amazing. Amen. I'm going to submit to that, and I'm going to respect him. Everybody respect. That's key. That's key. Okay? Titus, over in Titus, okay, tells us that they're to love their husbands. In Romans, Paul tells us that they're, they're to live with us or the husbands until death. Okay, I want to talk about respect for just a moment. I have just a few minutes, but we're almost done. We're almost done. Respect. I find it interesting that in our Ephesians study right here, that Paul doesn't tell the woman right, right off the bat, you need to love your husband. I'll tell you why. He's, because they already do. He, he's going to tell us that we need to love our wives, but he never tells the wives. But he does say that you need to respect your husband, and that's key. And that's key. When you disrespect your husband, plain or not, it takes a part of him down. Plain or not, well, my husband's an idiot, (laughs) and he's there, and he's going, I am an idiot. It does something. It does something to him because he's saying, basically, you're saying, I'm disrespecting him, even if I'm playing in front of everybody, And, and the Word of God says, don't do that. Don't do that. You should esteem your husband. Honey, I'm proud of you. You did such a great job. Listen, I know that women know more Bible than guys do. But when your husband comes to you and he's learned something new in the Bible, please don't look at him and go, really? I learned that at Sunday school in in fourth grade. That, That kills him. Here's what you do. You say, wow, honey, I'm so proud of you. That's awesome. And it encourages us to keep, to keep being the spiritual leader. Be careful that you don't disrespect your husband. Let's talk husbands. Okay, husbands thought, oh, we got out. No, look at what it says, verse 25. Husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself for her. That's power-packed right there. Why? Because, again, think about this. I want you to see the word love there. The word love is agapeo or agape, okay? You can't have agape love unless it's supernatural. You go, man, I love my wife. Woo, I love my... That's not what he's talking about. He's talking about an unconditional, I love my wife, just like Christ. What did Christ do? Help me, church. What did Christ do... For the church. He died for the church, didn't he? He died. He went to the cross. So what are you saying? He's saying, man, listen, you're not off the hook. Here's what you need to do. You need to love, you need to agape your wives, and you need to be willing to die for her. Who wants this? Who wants this, right? Husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself her, that he might, what, sanctify and cleanse her with the washing of the water by the word, that he might present her to himself, a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, that he should be holy without blemish. So husbands ought to love their own wives as their own bodies. Why, Lord? He who loves his wife loves himself. For no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes it and cherishes it, just as the Lord does the church. Wow, that's power-packed. Why? He says, men, we're supposed to love our wife the same way we love our own bodies. Right? You hit your thumb. Oh, you nourish it, you, you, you do all that stuff. He says, man, but listen, listen, that's how you're supposed to love. She's supposed to come first. She's supposed to come first. I tell this to all people. Listen, listen. We are all selfish beings, specifically when we're single. We're selfish. It's all about us. That's cool. I get it. When you get married, that some of that selfish should die, and you should say, okay, my wife comes first. If there's one meal left, guess who gets it? I do, pastor. No, you don't get it. You say, you have it, sweetie. You have it. I'm willing to sacrifice for you. Help me out, girls. When your husband does that, how much is it easier for you to submit to him and under his leadership? It's easier, right? 
when your husband is selfish and self-centered and egotistical and thinks he's all this, and he says, baby, I think we're going to move, you're going, I don't even know who you are because it's all about you and you're going to drag me along and I'm going to be left alone. It's so much better when, when, he's, when she sees the husband just like Christ did, just sacrificing, saying, sweetie, it's you. And here's what I, here's what I challenge you guys to do. If you're married here, try to outserve each other. Try to outserve each other. I'm, I'm going to try to outserve. I'm going to, I'm going to bless him. I'm going to bless him. I'm going to bless her. Oh, I think this would be good. I think this would be good. Be sensitive. Be sensitive. Be sensitive. Husbands were commanded to love God. You are to lead them. You are to nurture them with the things of so so the things of Jesus, and you are to live with them faithfully for the rest of your life. There is no trading in for a new model. I've had this wife for 30 years, think I'll get me a new one. She's got a lot of good miles on her, but she's pretty good. No, 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 none of that. You say, listen, Lord, I'm, I'm going to love her. I'm going to nurture her with the things of the Lord, and I'm going to live with them faithfully. And then Paul goes on to say, for we are members of his body, of his flesh, and of his bones. For this reason, notice, what is he quoting? A man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his life, and the two shall become one flesh. This is a great mystery, but I speak concerning Christ and the church. Nevertheless, let each one of you in particular so love his own wife as himself, and let the wife see that she respects her husband. Paul puts that in there, okay? So we're running out of time. Josh, go ahead and come on up here. Guys, I want to close with a few, a few, just a few godly reasons that we, that we have for marriage, okay? You ready? Number one, jot this down. It's not just a piece of paper, but a blessing from God. Yes, you can get married, but I would prefer that God bless your marriage and you would have the blessings of God. Number two, we learned that it's procreation. People get married, be fruitful and multiply. Have babies. Babies are a gift. Number three, jot this down, pleasure, right? Hebrews 13.4, New King James Version, the marriage bed is undefiled, amen? It's, it's, it's. Number four, how about purity? We talked about that. Because of sexual immorality, it's, Paul says it's better that you marry than to burn with passion. Just find your wife. Find your wife. And last but not least, guys, it's a picture. It's a picture of Christ in the church. That's why the devil is attacking marriages, specifically with Christians. I want the world to see this is a picture of Christ in the church. Then let me show... See how, how dysfunctional and disarrayed we all are. I go, oh, okay, okay. Listen, I am sensitive and I understand that there are some of us in here that our marriages have failed. They didn't work. Something happened. I get that. That's okay. But today, with a new heart in Christ, you can look for that man that's going to complete you. You can look for that woman that's going to be your best friend. And you can have a biblical marriage that, that God instituted and blesses. All you have to do is say yes to Jesus. I'm going to follow your principles. And if there's red flags, guys, single ones, if there's red flags with him or her, it's not worth it. Trust the Lord. Say, God, you know what's right for me, and I'll wait on your very best. I'll wait for your very best. Amen. Jesus, thank you that we can talk about marriage and we can even talk about sex and your word is pure and your heart is pure and that you so desired that for us. And so, Lord, now as we come and we worship you, we thank you for who you are. We thank you for what you're going to do. Thank you for our visitors here today, Lord. I pray, I pray, I pray that, Lord, that some of us, most of us, all of us, God, took something that we can use and we can apply to our lives. Thank you for instituting marriage. God, bless it. In Jesus' name.
Hey, this is Pastor Josh. I hope this message has encouraged you in your walk with Jesus. If it has, we would love to hear your story of how it has impacted you, or especially if you responded to the invitation to receive Jesus into your heart as your Lord and Savior. To get in touch or to receive more information, please contact us by phone at 806-799-2227 or send an email to calvarylubbock at hotmail.com. Again, that phone number is 806-799-2227. Also, if you want to partner with us financially to take the gospel to West Texas and the world, please click on the Donate button on calvarychapellubbock.org. Thanks for listening to the podcast. May God richly bless you.